What happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas, but when a horse plays craps in the middle of a crowded casino, we'll tell you all about it in the Barn Stories podcast. Welcome to the new Barn Stories podcast. I'm Lori Prins, editor of Equus Magazine. And I'm senior editor, Christine Barakat. You may know Equus for its articles on horse care and veterinary research. Our goal with this podcast is to highlight another important aspect of what we do at Equus. We have fun with horses and we celebrate how they enrich our lives and bring people together. We've chosen our favorite essays and articles that have been published in Equus and capture that spirit. In this new audio format, they take on a new life. Some stories are funny, others are touching, and a few are a little sad, but they all contain some universal truth about what it means to love horses. In this episode, we've chosen a story written by Martha Crawford Cantorini, a former Hollywood stunt woman who for decades trained and handled horses for movies and television shows. Martha knew many of the biggest stars of Hollywood's golden age, including Clark Gable, Gregory Peck, and Debbie Reynolds. And she's written several fascinating accounts of her adventures in the film industry for Equus. But what I like best about Martha's stories is how she describes her bond with her horses. That bond is the one thing that really struck me about this particular story. Although the setting is unusual, the floor of a Vegas casino, the relationship between Martha and her horse is just as close as it might be if they were in a dressage arena. They are totally in tune with each other and focused on the task at hand. It just happens that that task is shooting dice. So let's go ahead and listen to Frosty's Fantastic Finale, written by Martha Crawford Cantorini and read by Taylor Autumn. I took a deep breath of the cool night air and backed Frosty out of the trailer. It was 1963, and we had just arrived at the Thunderbird Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. The sun had not quite set, but all around us, the bright lights of this neon city were awakening to illuminate the approaching darkness. As I led Frosty to the rear entrance of the casino and stopped, I noticed signs of apprehension, a tightness around his mouth and a stiffened tail. His left ear was cocked in my direction. He was listening for words of reassurance. I had first met Frosty at a friend's barn nine years before. Nobody wanted the undersized orphan. As I looked into his stall, my blonde hair cascaded over the door, and the foal came forward and buried his face in it. I slipped into the stall and stroked his back. Cupping one of his fuzzy ears in my hand, I spoke quietly to him. He looked at me as if he understood. I was lost in his gaze. I had spent my whole life looking into the eyes of horses. I'd seen fear, defiance, acceptance, and affection. But here was something else. I saw an old soul, an indomitable spirit. At the time, I had a busy life as a horse trainer and stunt rider in Hollywood. But I knew I had to make room in my life for this little colt. When he first came to California, I turned him out into a pasture to let him grow and develop. Then, when he was ready... I brought him in and began training him for a life in show business. Alas, the 1950s came to a close, and the era of westerns was fading. Television and movie budgets no longer supported so many horses or trainers. I said goodbye to Hollywood and moved to Northern California with Frosty. Along the way, I stopped to buy a new car. As I sat at the dealership, 
I described to all who would listen my wonderful horse Frosty and the promotions we could do. Suddenly, a door flew open and a man hurried out. Seating himself beside me, he asked me to repeat my ideas. I could tell from his well-tailored suit that he was the owner, so I gave it my best. Before the day was over, the man had sold me a fancier car, and I had sold him on the idea of doing an advertising promotion with my golden horse as the star. So began Frosty's next career. We made appearances at dealerships around the region, drawing carloads of spectators. Children squealed and clapped their hands as Frosty did his tricks and dance steps. Meanwhile, their parents shopped for new cars. We also did local television commercials. In one, Frosty wore a black mask and shared the scene with an actor wearing an all-black Western costume. It starts with Black Bart, saying he's going to sell a particular used car for a certain amount. Frosty then responds by shaking his head no. Next, Black Bart pulls out a blue book, and on cue, Frosty rips it out of his hands and tosses it off to the side. A newspaper ad followed up on this spot. We're throwing away the blue book. After a national magazine wrote a story about the success of this commercial, the job offers started rolling in from all over, including Las Vegas. In Vegas, Frosty's career took off. In addition to the car dealer ads, we did promotions for a local dairy and the Silver Slipper Casino. For a year, Frosty starred in his own hour-long weekly television show, Frosty's Farm Club. And during our breaks, we visited elementary schools. He was very busy and very popular, and we fielded thousands of requests for pictures. One day, I heard that a new racetrack was opening at the Thunderbird Hotel. Joe Wells, the executive director of the hotel, as well as president of the Nevada Racing Association, was planning a grand debut. Wells was looking for an attention-grabbing show to be held within the casino itself, not on a stage or in the showroom. Entertainment directors brought Wells a number of ideas, but none had really clicked with him. One idea, to bring Frosty onto the casino's gambling floor, caught his interest, but the board thought it just wasn't feasible. Still, Wells was curious and invited me in to see what I thought. Together, Wells and I walked around the Thunderbird gaming room to get an idea of what we might do with Frosty in the crowded space. The interior of the casino was designed to resemble a large ranch house with heavy exposed wood trusses, mortar walls, Old West art and artifacts, and a Navajo pattern in the carpet. It was the ideal background for a horse-related event. But as my gaze skimmed around over the gaming tables and the slot machines, I realized it would be a challenging place for a horse. Frosty and I would be surrounded by flashing lights, and there would be sirens and bells from the slot machines. Plus, we'd have to navigate narrow aisleways filled with four-legged stools set at cockeyed angles. On the night in question, the room would be filled with 1,500 people, drinking and gambling. What's more, Frosty and I would only have 10 days to prepare. I did not want to agree to some exotic stunt with a high chance of things going wrong. My breathing became a bit ragged as I prepared myself to turn down the offer. 
Asking Frosty to do a new stunt in this atmosphere would just be too much. And now a quick break for a word from our episode sponsors. Smart Packs are a simple, foolproof way to make sure your horse always gets the right supplements. All you have to do is choose the supplements that your horse needs, and Smart Pack will pack them in convenient, customized daily doses that make feeding time fast and easy. And Smart Packs aren't just easier for you, they're better for your horse, too. Because they come in pre measured doses, are clearly labeled, and sealed for freshness, there's never any doubt that your horse is getting the absolute best. Visit smartpack.com or call 1-800-461-8898 to learn more about how SmartPack can help you take great care of your horse today. Then, I had an idea that struck like a bolt from the blue. I could reuse the same trick I'd taught Frosty for the throwing away the blue book commercial. You know, I said, Frosty can stand at a craps table and roll the dice. Wells held his coffee cup at his lips with both hands as he looked at me over the rim. Then he slowly lowered it to the saucer. He glanced across the casino and smiled. Our eyes met for a moment. Frosty and I had the job. On the big night, we were early. As we waited outside the casino doors, I looked at the profile that was so familiar to me, and I saw so many memories reflected in those expressive eyes. I whispered to him under my breath. His left ear moved, and we waited. Frosty heard the faint clicking before I did. The sound indicated the glass doors were about to open. Frosty's head came up and his tail rose to a plume. He knew it was time to perform. I caught a glimpse of our reflections as the huge glass doors parted, and we heard Frosty's TV theme song drifting out into the night. This was our cue. With our first footfalls on the plush carpet, colored spotlights fell onto us. We stood for a minute, framed by the Old West-themed murals on the walls. Frosty's ears flipped back and forth. Standing close to his left shoulder, I heard him sigh, and I prepared to lead off with my right foot. The sigh told me he was ready to go. The casino was packed. Whiffs of perfumes mixed with cigarette smoke and the scent of beer and booze. Ignoring the gamblers who swarmed around us, Frosty kept one ear cocked towards the casino's den and the other toward me. It's not every day that a horse walks through a casino, and many people were stunned. I'm sure a few of them probably checked their drinks. Frosty moved through the crowd like Moses parting the Red Sea, the colored lights sparkling off his sleek coat. Finally, we reached our table. When the gamblers already there saw Frosty, a hush came over them. The pit bosses, dubious about the whole affair, hovered nearby, their arms folded across their chest. Craps is the fastest table game of all, and always a crowd pleaser. About 20 players were hunched over the edge of our table, with people standing three deep behind them. As we planned, the boss of the table and his two dealers stepped away as Frosty politely pushed his head and neck between them. Everyone around the table shifted to make room. Standing at the table, Frosty cocked his ear toward me, waiting for my next cue. The stick man, who controls the pace of the action, 
cleared the table to make way for a horse to play. He was grinning from ear to ear. More gamblers elbowed their way in, not knowing what was up, but interested to see. I noticed Joe Wells sitting nearby, resting an elbow on the polished wood frame of the craps table. I waited for Joe to signal for us to start. He nodded. Just as we practiced at home, I stood behind Frosty's shoulder and held up my left hand. He gently lifted the first cube from my palm, and with a flip of his nose, he threw it into the middle of the green felt table. It tumbled over the bright yellow markings, hit the backstop, and rolled back to the middle of the table before it came to a stop. It was a three. Shrieks from those around the table reverberated off the walls of the packed casino. I stepped close once again and held the second cube for Frosty. With an almost arrogant toss of his head, he quickly sent it on its way. It ripped across the table, again hitting the backstop. Bouncing back, it rolled over and over and over as if to tease the players before it actually stopped. It was a four. Gasps came from the crowd. A seven? A natural is a big winner in craps. As soon as I stepped away from him and brushed my hair back, a secret cue. Frosty relaxed. He raised his head and shook till his long white mane fell every which way, whinnying as if to answer those who cheered him on. Then Frosty was handed some play money as winnings. In an ad lib, Frosty aided. The guests shouted and clapped and rushed in to touch the golden horse for luck. Photographers with flash cameras clicked away. Even the pit bosses broke into smiles. Frosty stood good-naturedly through all of this. A number of noted thoroughbred trainers attended the gala, and one told me that not one horse in 10,000 could have performed as well as Frosty did in the casino that night. Many people wondered how we did it. No one saw me giving any cues. Finally, the glass doors opened for us once again, and we stepped out into the night. The fantasy world of the Thunderbird Hotel and Casino was left to our memories. Frosty's journey was over. It was time for him to retire. And I was left thinking, perhaps there is magic in believing after all. Dreams do come true if you really, really try. Thanks for listening to Barn Stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a favorite article or essay from the Equus Archives that you'd like us to feature in a future podcast, let us know. You can reach us at equusbarnstories, all one word, at gmail.com. The Barn Stories podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.